You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. All right, kicking off this hour from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios here in Calgary, Alberta. For our friends at Doug Lacey's Basement Systems, cracked foundation, Boeing foundation walls, they have a simple permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems for all things basement-y. Visit dlbasementsystems.com. Hour one in the books. Checking on the Calgary Flames on a practice day. They're getting set for the Dallas Stars on Thursday. Also took a spin around the NFL with our fantasy football guru, Andy McNamara. And now we kick off hour two with another Wednesday regular. This time from Sportsnet 590, the fan in Toronto and co-host of the Fan Checkdown on the Sportsnet Television Network. Very happy to chat with our pal Ailish Forfar this afternoon. Ailish, how are you? Hey, how's it going? All good here. Good to hear. Uh, Leafs are back in town. Big win in the shootout last night. Uh, fresh off of the Sweden <laughs> trip. Uh, how was uh, last night's game against the Panthers? Well, they lost and then they won. So you don't <laughs> get to see that much in our world. We are calling the game. And, uh, of course, the Maple Leafs cannot win in regulation. Like, that's a huge issue. I'm sure we'll get into that. They've got five regulation wins. So as soon as it starts trending towards overtime, we're like, here we go again. You know, you buckle up. You get ready for what is bound to be uh, an adventure. And that shootout, honestly, I don't – we'll never see that again. The double shot um, on Rodriguez. Fans all leave. The teams are off the ice. Joseph Walls got his gloves off in the locker room and they're like, just kidding. Come back, come back. It was crazy. Honestly, that's like why sometimes our jobs, we laugh at all, you know, like it's so we, you know, we cover sports and sometimes it's the same thing all the time, but you see something like that. And you're like, what a lucky life that we get to cover crazy stuff like that. Uh, so it was really fun. The Leafs needed to win, even if it wasn't pretty, uh, they have been in a bit of a slump. So you need sometimes the hockey gods, and they definitely got that last night. I feel like last night was constant proof for all of us that cover sports that sit there and go, oh, it's another boring Tuesday, or it's this or that. <laughs> it's like, you know what? There's going to be something that happens that you've just never expected, and mm-hmm. last night felt like a perfect example of that because you feel like we've seen it all. We've watched hockey and done all these things for so long, and you've played hockey and all that sort of stuff, and you're like, Last night, we've never had that last night. I've never experienced anything like that last night. It always keeps us on our toes. I can't imagine, like, losing the game and thinking, oh, crap, like, another loss at home. Like, we had a we had a power play in overtime. Like, it's pretty disappointing. The Leafs are not in a good spot. You go to the locker room, and then I don't know if it's the equipment, the coach, somebody, someone's like, hey, guys, get back out there. Like, it must <laughs> be a, whirl, a whirlwind. And then at that point, when we're watching and we see that the goal is called back, it's like immediate, you know, the Leafs are going to win because – that flip of the script, the mental shift, the momentum shift itself as well. Like it, it was going to go in the least favor. And then Paul Maurice is hilarious. I love when he comes to town because he has the, uh, he's just such a character. His quotes post game, he knows how to get himself in the headlines. And he was trying to be like a good guy, like, oh, you know, it was a, that's why they have rules. <laughs> and then, you know, he, he kind of lets the, his, I guess his biases show, but it it was funny. Like the other team saying, Oh, only in Toronto, but I'm sorry. If you watch the video, he 
shot the puck twice. Like it's yep. against the rules. I, I didn't make the rule book, but I know that that's a rule. So a pretty fun one in the end, but I mean, it hasn't been an inspiring return from Sweden. They were 0-2. They lost to the Blackhawks. They lost to Kyle Dubas's Penguins. And then they have a homestand starting. And last night, you know, the Florida Panthers come in. They had 167 combined penalty minutes the night before in the Kachuk Bowl, an emotional game. They come on a back-to-back from Ottawa, not too far, but still. They, you know, they're not sitting at home waiting for the opponent like the Leafs were. The Leafs have a abysmal first period where it's like they didn't even show up. And it felt like, here we go again. The Leafs just play down or they just underestimate their opponents. They were really lucky to win that one for more than just uh, the double shot in, in the shootout. They were lucky. They had a great goaltending um, performance from Joseph Wall. But it's starting to get big question time here in Toronto. Like, is this team, and it's so funny we were using this term last night, is this team mid? Like, are they just mid? Like what yeah. the kids are saying, the Gen Z and millennials <laughs> using mid, like it's kind of starting to feel that way. Like I don't see this powerhouse juggernaut team that I guess was promised to us at the beginning of the season. Yeah. And it's only going to get harder now with uh, Mark Giordano joining a, a long list of injured D on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Mm-hmm. I know our colleague, Justin Bourne wrote about it uh, at sportsnet.ca today, but you know, looking at a decor that might have to feature Legison, Benoit, Timmins, or something on a pretty regular basis, that's not exactly the brightest future for the Leafs right now. And I'm curious if in Toronto the feeling that maybe Brad Trilliving needs to go out and make a, a midseason move. I mean, you and me have talked about it, of course, because mm-hmm. of the Calgary connection and the fact that maybe there's 3D up for grabs here in Calgary. But do you get the sense that Brad Trilliving is going to have to go out and make a a little bit more of a significant move than calling somebody up from the A to sort of help them patch this thing up for a while? There's nobody left in the A. Like, I looked at the rosters last night when we saw Jordano go down uh, with the hand injury. Not sure exactly how long that's going to be, but even if it's two games, like, they don't have the depth. You know, unfortunately, I was a forward, so I can't even help if they're interested. (laughs) Uh, But... But defense-wise has always been something that was pretty slim pickings, and you're seeing it pretty vibrantly out there when you watch Morgan Riley at 30-plus minutes last night. Thank goodness that he is playing out of his mind to start the season because the Maple Leafs would be in a completely different spot. I'm thinking in the next day or two we get some actual confirmation on John Klingberg. Uh, I mean, everybody's like rumors here is that He's just going to get surgery and that'll be the end of his tenure for the Leafs. And I mean, I've had hip surgery, so I know it sucks, but if that's the best path for him forward, it's kind of also sadly the best path for the Maple Leafs to have that cap hit because they need to do something with it pretty soon. Cause you know, like when the trade deadline comes around, everybody wants the same thing, right? So yeah. how many defensemen at the trade deadline are going to be leaving pretty bad teams uh, for a good cost? Not many. So Sometimes you have to be like the team that jumps it, right, and gets on there on there quicker than others. But you're also dealing with other people that know you're desperate. So it's that tough spot to be in. Like if a team knows, well, the Maple Leafs have zero defensemen and we have three <laughs> Calgary Flames, well, we could just fleece them. They need us. So yeah. we're going to ride it out. I think hopefully best case scenario is Jordano misses a few games. We find out Klingberg you know, we can use this cap hit for another player. And by next week, we could be really having conversations of who's actually available that would work and that the Maple Leafs can deal from some of their, you know, their their sources that they have extra in, which might be some young prospects. But if you're in this, this window where the Maple Leafs are right now, that they have 
such top heavy, incredible talent that they need to capitalize, you kind of have to do it. And so I think Brad Tree Living, the sense here is that he's going to start at least looking at what else is out there. And that's what he's known for, right? Good people guy, likes to make calls. So I'm sure his phone will be busy the next couple of weeks. Yeah, GMs are always, uh, you know, the saying we've always run around here, GMs are always willing to throw an anchor out to somebody to help them along, right? When things are bad, that's when they come helping oh, yeah. each other the most, right? Is is right when yeah. that sort of stuff happens. And you're right, you make a really good point. And uh, it's, you know, you can't just wait till the trade deadline if you're the Toronto Maple Leafs. That's, that's months away from now. You can't operate, with, with all due respect to Simon Benoit, he can't be your fourth defenseman for the next three months. That's just not going to be okay when you've got Matthews, Nylander, and all these other guys. And we already talked about Nylander and the contract that he's pushing for now. It, it does feel like a push all the cards in if you're Brad you're living because you don't really have much of a choice. Right, and, like, they're not at the top of their division. I mean, no. Boston, Pan- Boston and Panthers and Red Wings are the top three. Red Wings surprise everybody, and then they get Kane, so that's great. But you're in a wild card spot right now. That's not where you wanted to be. Our goals when we discussed, like, what do we think we want for the Maple Leafs this year was the first thing we said was win the division. It was, like, the bare minimum thing that we thought the Maple Leafs could do this year. They are barely in the playoffs at this point. I know it's it's early and we can say that, but it's a quarter of the of the season. At American Thanksgiving is usually the time that you evaluate where teams are. I know like traditionally it's over seventy five percent over like the last ten years of teams that are in a playoff position at this point actually make the playoffs. So some teams are on the outside looking in and the Maple Leafs are kind of like right in that that messy middle where yes, you have the talent and you guys, you could probably win your way in there on a hot streak. But the thing that doesn't give me much, I guess, positivity or belief is this team hasn't gone for a stretch this season where they've been the best team in the league. The Boston Bruins have done that. The New York Rangers look like a completely different team this year. They've done that. You look at the Western Conference, uh, obviously the Colorado Avalanche and Vegas Golden Knights, they've done that, where they've put together five, six, seven games where they're unstoppable. Leafs haven't done that. They've barely gone on winning streaks. They've mostly been up, down, up, down. And that's where you start to worry, like, that middle ground, that mid that we're using the word about, like it kind of is starting to sound like that's who they are. That's hard for Leaf fans to swallow because, yeah, we, we got a lot of pretty big names on this team that are making a lot of money. So you shouldn't be settling to be a wild card spot in November. No, totally. And uh, one of the options that we talked about that maybe Brad Trilliving was sniffing around the last couple of weeks was Patrick Kane. He made his decision yesterday. He's going mm-hmm. to the Detroit Red Wings. What do you make of that fit? Uh, for Patrick Kane reuniting with Alex Dabrinkit in Motown. You know what? I I, I kind of like it. <laughs> it's too bad that they're in a good spot uh, in terms of like their playoff position in terms of where the Maple Leafs would like to be. Yeah. But I've always been a fan of wanting to see either the Red Wings, the Buffalo Sabres, or the Ottawa Senators make a leap. It's like always the sexy pick at the beginning of the season, right? Oh, one of these teams are going to figure it out. The Red Wings have done that this year. They've strung together some really good stretches. Um, they've looked like a team that is just, I guess, surprising a lot of people. I am not surprised that Patrick Kane wants to go there. Not surprised that, he, I mean, apparently he's got already built some house out there. I don't really know the, uh, the, the situation with his real estate, but someone was saying he's got a great place. So I'm like, oh, okay, well, that makes sense. We wanted the good story of Buffalo, but uh, 
Detroit, you know, not not a bad landing spot for him in terms of what he can provide. I think it was always interesting to to, to try to weigh what does Patrick Kane want and what does what makes the best sense. Like if he was to join the Leafs, we were always kind of like, that's not what the Leafs need. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, they've got a lot of offensive talent. Patrick Kane isn't going to be your first line. He might not be on your second line. Do you think he wants to play on the third line? Probably not. So I think it's a good fit with the Red Wings. It'll be fun because we see them quite a lot. Uh, I saw rumors that his debut might be like next week when they happen to play the Buffalo uh, Buffalo Sabres. So uh, wouldn't that be fun? So yeah, it'll be good. It's I'm glad that that is like solidified because that was like, when's he going to play? What's he going to do? It was nice to just get some uh, confirmation on that. And uh, the question will be like how, how quick those hips healed up. Cause it's not easy to jump back into a season. No, I know you mentioned having hip surgery. Uh, I talked to Scott Laughlin from Sirius XM and uh, one mm-hmm. of the guys that they have on Ed Jovanovsky had that same, hip resurfacing uh, surgery that Kane had. And he only lasted 36 Ugh. games after it. He said, it's just, it's so hard to to get the feel back. You don't really realize how much you use your hips. Uh, I mean, on a day-to-day basis as a hockey player until you start going through this and trying to feel the process back out to a hundred percent. Like I saw today that it says uh, Patrick Kane, you know, pain-free. I'm like, yeah, pain-free is one thing, but the difference between being pain-free and then going into skating like your ass off every single game and yeah. getting in the corners and out muscling and lifting weights and then getting in an ice bath and getting on the ice the next day. Like it's not the same as just feeling pain-free. The pain comes immediately, whether you're in a hundred percent shape, 70% shape or whatever. Like he is, he, he will know that it's so different to get skating again. You use your hips for everything in hockey. Like there is not a time where you're not in an athletic stance, where you're pinching your labrum, where you're in the squat area, when you're using your legs to propel yourself. Like he's a strong guy. It, it takes, it took me forever to just feel like my range of motion and my, my muscle mass was at the same level. Obviously I'm no NHLer, but it, it's a, it's a growing, it's a growing pain. Um, and I mean, they have the best of the best helping them out, but I'm sure he'll comment on it in his first game back. Like, whew, that was different, right? And <laughs> yeah. even just getting your hands back, like reading the play, like there's definitely a little bit of a of a, a a time that it takes. But we have a betting segment on our show every day. Of course, he's going to score in his first game back. I'm already like locking that one in because that's just how the hockey world works, right? A hundred percent. You know it's going to happen. Eilish uh, <laughs> Forfars along with us, our Wednesday regular here on Sportsnet today. Uh, she's on Sportsnet 5.9 of the fan, and, of course, uh, co-host of the fan checkdown on Sportsnet. Uh, the not-so-fun story running around hockey right now is, unfortunately, once again, uh, the Chicago Blackhawks. I don't know what yesterday was with Kyle Davidson. I honestly think he made it worse going out there and talking to the media and not really giving off any answers. But I'm just curious what your take is on this whole thing, because if anything, I feel bad for Connor Bedard. I feel bad for his family having to go through all of this. And look, I get that Chicago's trying to do the right thing and nip any sort of bad behavior in the butt, but I don't know that they've learned enough lessons from this whole thing with Kyle Beach about getting out in front of things and protecting your players and your organization the right way because for something that I I don't even know what it is, we don't even know what it is, it it Mm -hmm. leads to this wild speculation and leads to making things Worse, what have you observed? What have you thought of this whole mess the last, I don't know, week to 10 days, Ailish? 
Yeah, you know what? The uh, Chicago Blackhawks don't really deserve too much credit or like benefit of the doubt because of their past, right? Like it's any other team, I think, might get a little bit of a different response, but they put themselves in that position. Like that is their fault for how they've dealt things in the past. So the fact that we're all critical and the fact that fans want transparency is so understood. I think they completely dropped the ball with the amount of time that went from Corey Perry being pulled off the ice to the investigation, to the different um, accounts of what was going on from both his side and the player side um, and the, and the team side, it just created this mess that could have been avoided. If you had been very, even PR clear, like this has nothing to do with any current players or their parents or their family members. And we would have had the last five or six days without the awful, awful social media that we were seeing regarding Connor Bedard's family. This guy is, it, it doesn't matter if it's Connor Bedard or me, fourth liner. It's just, it's somebody that's an important member to your organization, maybe the most important young face in the NHL. There is just no excuse for allowing social media and people that are hungry for news, which I get it. People want to know what's going on with their favorite team or a team they hate. It just, it could have been avoided um, the way that they dealt with it or didn't deal with it was atrocious yesterday Kyle Davidson um like I actually I I felt I could see how much and he mentioned it how much it was weighing on him how difficult this process had been yeah but that's the position you're in as as in that role in charge of a, a hockey team that has not a lot of leeway with fans I think it's it's so hard to speculate I don't want to speculate I just hope that Corey Perry is able to also tell his side because I think that's what he needs at this point right like if this guy wants to play hockey again he can't just never say what happened like this story isn't done it's going to take its time I'm sure there's a lot going on behind the scenes obviously that we don't know about I just think the Chicago Blackhawks could have done a much better job of protecting their players Um, I mean we're all curious people that's the the way the world is but once again they put themselves in a really awful spot but that's that's because of their past. So I don't have like empathy for them. Yeah. I just wish, I just wish that they had dealt with it differently. I hope that all the people that are not being named and discussing this are, are doing well and that we get the bottom of the story, but it's been really tough to cover. Like it, it's, it's unsettling uh, is the way to put it. We're trying to get information. We're trying to respect people's privacy. I know the insiders probably have it way worse than us. Like they want to get to the bottom of it, but you also don't want to get to the bottom of it. If it is so, so terrible that this player who's got a storied time in the NHL who people are putting in the hall of fame discussion is being terminated of a contract who was brought in to be a leader on your team, a mentor to some of the young players like Connor Bedard, who was an assistant captain is no longer on your team. So there's so many questions, understandably. So I'm going to say, let's take our time to get it right. Um, But I will say one thing I, I did appreciate was the swiftness in which they, if this was an issue, he was eliminated from the situation quickly during a game. He was removed from the team, and within three or four days, his contract was terminated. That's all you can ask for yeah. in terms of that swiftness, but there are lots of things we don't know, and that's, I think, what most people are frustrated about. But you, but you know what? It, it could have drawn on for six months, weeks, years, so they did it as quick as they could, I assume, 
from what I know. Um, but yeah, it's been a really tough thing to cover. Uh, it's hard not to speculate. It's hard not to get you know trapped in the Twitter world, but I'm just trying to wait uh, for the right people to say the right thing. Yeah, I, you said a lot of good things there, and I appreciate your your thoughts on it because it is one of those tough parts of sports where we don't know anything. We're trying to relay information to the people that are listening to our shows and you know trying to remain you know unbiased and in the middle of it because we don't know right you and me don't have details mm-hmm. on this we're just going off of what we hear and what we can report and i just you're right the thing that bugs me the most is is that it's chicago and the like i've i look back to last week and i think when they pulled cory perry from practice luke richardson shouldn't have been the one forced to go out there and say it's an internal thing we're dealing with like I didn't know there was an investigation going on. I mm-hmm. the head coach shouldn't be the one having to to feel that fire from the media right away. And if Chicago learned anything, and I hope they did, I'm sure I learned Kyle Davidson probably did. It's just that I think you got to get ahead of these things as soon as you can in the PR world, not just pulling Corey Perry off. Because you're right, they do deserve a, a slap, a, a pat on the back for that. Because it's clearly as soon as something came up, they were like, okay away from the team until we figure this thing out and we'll deal with it when we can. But you also, you also, if you're the Chicago Blackhawks, owe everybody a little bit more than what you gave, which was at first almost nothing. And that's what led to it getting out of hand and turning into this whole other thing that didn't even need to be discussed. Yeah. I think the pat on the back is even like, I know there's not really a great term for it, but even too much, right? It's that's the bare minimum. You know, if something happens with a player, a coach, a staff, a a fan, it needs to be stopped in its track. But what I want to hear is like, what preventative things are you doing? So then this doesn't happen. So then Corey Perry doesn't even have an incident where then his contract is terminated, where then all the fans speculate, like it's, it's less about, Oh, we reacted quickly. It's like, okay, what are you doing to prevent issues like that? That's where not only the Chicago Blackhawks, but the entire NHL needs to learn, right? Like you can't be having such a good PR because you reacted positively to a situation that was negative. I want to know that the Chicago Blackhawks had the right things in play to eliminate this from ever happening. We don't know what it is, but I'm just saying moving forward, if we have more discussions about great job PR team for figuring out that something bad happened, like I hope one day there's no more bad things happening where we're where we're praising teams for reacting swiftly. It should be this thing didn't happen because our team was equipped to prevent anything from happening that is outside of of the mandate that I guess the Chicago Blackhawks have as an organization or anyone. So, yeah, it's uh, it's just the way the hockey world is. Unfortunately, it was not a normal couple of days online. No. Lots of lots of crap to sift through. Um, but you know that's it's hopefully what we can do in our position is like kind of hold people accountable and yeah, you did one thing good, but you also allowed something to happen, which we don't know what it is yet. So we'll no. circle back when we do know. hundred <laughs> percent. Ailish always appreciate the time. Great stuff as always. Uh, enjoy the rest of your week. Enjoy the Leafs and the Kraken tomorrow night. We'll check in with you again next week. Hey, sounds good. Thanks guys. Have Thanks a good so week. much. Ailish Forfar joining us down the Atlas pizza and sports bar guest hotline. She's our Wednesday regular. Just say Friday. I don't know why. Uh, Wednesday regular here on Sportsnet today. Uh, Sportsnet 590, the fan in Toronto, co-host of the fan checkdown on the Sportsnet television network and uh, some really strong thoughts. And I thought some really well laid out thoughts uh, on the Corey Perry situation. If you missed it, he has cleared waivers today uh, and has had his contract terminated uh, by the Chicago Blackhawks. And 
Uh, like we said, probably still more to come from this story uh, at some point when we get more details. But for now, uh, he's no longer a member of the Chicago Blackhawks. And we will see what, uh, what comes next uh, in that story. We'll take a break. We'll come back on the other side. Uh, baseball season, uh, offseason well underway. The Toronto Blue Jays yet to make a big splash, but are they on the horizon of one of the biggest splashes the organization has ever made? Are those Shohei Otani rumors actually legit when it comes to the Toronto Blue Jays? Uh, we'll check in with our pal Ben Nicholson-Smith, get his thoughts on what's been a quiet offseason so far for the Toronto Blue Jays and what could happen to make it a not-so-quiet offseason. Uh, that is Sportsnet Today rolls on here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. All right, Wednesday at practice day for the Calgary Flames. Back on the ice, getting set for the Dallas Stars coming into Calgary on Thursday. Heard from a couple members of the team following practice back in hour one. If you missed any of that, check it out on the podcast, Google, Amazon, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher. We'd love to have you along for the ride here on Sportsnet today. Heard from Ryan Huska, Chris Tanev, Jacob Markstrom. The latest lines and D pairings. Jordan Osterley recalled from the Calgary Wranglers, operating as the seventh D man today at practice. Also, an hour one checked in with Andy McNamara on our fantasy football a football guru. He had all your fantasy football answers for you. If you missed any of it, again, check it out on the podcast. They go up moments after every hour finishes. Here on Sportsnet 960. And uh, practice day for the Calgary Flames. Uh, perhaps the perfect opportunity to turn our focus to the Toronto Blue Jays. We haven't talked about the Jays much this offseason. World Series is done. The Texas Rangers, of course, taking home the title. But the Jays haven't done much yet this offseason. And a lot of people have their eyes set on Ross Atkins, Mark Shapiro. What is this? brass in Toronto going to do to get this team over the hump and so far not much has happened but the Jays are involved in a lot of interesting rumors Bo Bichette on the trade block is Alec Manoa on his way out of town are they listening to offers on Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and of course the one that's caught everybody's attention the last week or so are the Toronto Blue Jays a legitimate suitor for superstar free agent Shohei Otani. That's the one that everybody's trying to figure out right now. Would Shohei Otani actually pick up shot from the Angels, go across country into Canada, and join the Toronto Blue Jays on a massive, massive free agent deal? That's what everyone's trying to find out right now. So a perfect time to check in with our pal from Sportsnet.ca, the At The Letters podcast, Ben Nicholson-Smith. He joined the guys on the big show, Russick and Rose, a little bit earlier on on this Wednesday, diving into all the major Blue Jays rumors, his thoughts on all of them, starting with the big one. Are the Jays actually in on Shohei Otani? Is this a possibility? Here's what Ben Nicholson-Smith had to say a little earlier on Wednesday. Well, it's at least on the table, but I would say it's probably not worth getting your hopes up too, too high. I okay. think that it's okay to enjoy it, and this is part of the fun of the baseball offseason. This is part of the fun of, of free agency when you have an amazing player like Shohei Otani available. 
Um, and I do think that the Blue Jays are probably one of the top seven teams involved. But until someone tells me that the L.A. Dodgers are no longer a factor mm. for him, then I'm going to assume he's going to the Dodgers. So to me, this is something that Blue Jays fans can enjoy and maybe hope for. But let's not you know, start printing those Otani jerseys just yet, uh, because there's a lot we don't know about what he wants. And I, I think the smart money has him going to the Dodgers at this point, or, or maybe the Giants or the Cubs or the Rangers. The Jays are one of those teams, but uh, they're not the favorite. Um, ben, obviously, he makes any team immediately better uh, signing him. But is there a obviously he's a great fit for everyone, but for what the Blue Jays need, a front of the rotation left handed power bat. Like he checks so many boxes for the Blue Jays. He's great defensively. He runs like a gazelle. He's got a laser rocket arm from the outfield. Like there's nothing that he can't do and that the Blue Jays need right now. And if you put Shohei Otani on this team, even though he can't pitch next season, legitimate World Series contender. It's not really a question. It's just more of a statement. Yeah, no, and I agree with it. And I think like this is why you have to do everything you can to see if there's a fit there. And look, the Blue Jays do have some advantages over other teams, including even teams like the Giants or the Dodgers, um, even teams like the Cubs. Um, when you look at how the Blue Jays are positioned, and Ross Sackens discussed some of these positives yesterday without explicitly acknowledging Shohei Otani because every GM in baseball is being very cautious not to, to speak out of turn with this stuff right now. Um, but he didn't dissuade anyone from the notion that the Blue Jays are players for Otani. And in highlighting some of the, some of the better points for this organization, Atkins said, hey, we have this great facility in Florida that they built. It's definitely a leader in the industry. They're doing the renovations in Toronto right now. Those things are good for the preparation of any player, including Shohei Otani. Then you also have the fact that the Blue Jays are in win mode. They can spend. That's not the case for every team. Obviously, Dodgers, Giants, Cubs, Rangers, those teams can spend, um, but that's not everyone. So the Jays put themselves in the conversation with their willingness to spend. And even beyond that, you've got a domed stadium. That's uh, a way to ensure that Otani is going to be able to make his starts, have a certain amount of predictability that you don't have if you're at Windy Wrigley Field, that you don't have um, if you're considering signing at Fenway Park, for example. Um, and, and I think, too, you're, you're looking at a guy who, w- when, you're, when you're talking about what he can do in the course of his off-field pursuits, being able to reach an entire country could have appeal. We don't know if it does, um, but it could have appeal. And Toronto is very, very different from, mm. let's say, you know, uh, Chicago in that respect, because you do reach an entire country of people. Um, we know Scott Boris famously said that uh, the Blue Jays are the richest owners in baseball. What would that contract look like if he came to the Jays? Is it north of $600 million? It could be. It's, it's hard to say. Like, I think that it's pretty clear that Otani is going to get the biggest contract in baseball history. Um, you know, it, it won't be lower than $450 million. There probably will be a lot of opt-outs. Um, you know, I think... Ben, that- you just said it won't be lower than $450 million, which is just absolutely absurd when we just talk about numbers like that. It is. It is. Yeah. It's a, and, it, you know, you think about the Jays, their biggest contract ever is one, uh, 150 for George Springer. Um, so <laughs> this would be so, so much more. Same for any team, right? This is, this is new territory for any team. And 
you know, rightfully so. He is the best player. The industry is growing. There are more revenues in baseball. So, of course, the contracts are going to be bigger um, in proportion to that. So, yeah, I, I think that they're, you know, I've talked to people in the industry who are on the outside of this, right? No one, Otani's agents aren't talking about this. But people on the outside of this, looking at it from afar, say they could see 500, 550 million. Some people speculate about even more. So I, I don't think that the price tag um, is easy to pinpoint, but I could see it going in a lot of different directions. It's wild to think that this is something like, do you feel like the rumors, the chatter has gotten more relevant? Has it heated up over the last little bit here? Because honestly, it feels like something that we've maybe heard rumors of going all the way back to even when the season was on the go. Yeah, even when it first started, right? Like yeah. there was the question of how the Angels would be able to take advantage of his last season. Of course, they couldn't do that. And then at the trade deadline, there was the question of would they trade him and they held on. Um, you know, it's it's been a storyline in baseball for years now, and understandably so. He's just that much of a difference maker. And really, I think that whenever he does sign, which could happen within the next week or so, uh, again, hard to know. There's a lot of unknowns here, but certainly wouldn't be surprising. Um, whenever he does sign, there will be a lot of players, um, whether it's uh, you know position players especially, um, who can who can finally choose their next home as well, because to some extent, Otani's holding things up here um, because he's the number one on every team's board who has serious interest in him, and that includes some of the most aggressive spenders in the sport. Trying to look at the Texas Rangers roster and the Dodgers roster to see how many Japanese players they have. What is Yusei Kikuchi's role going to be in this? You know, that's one of the big questions that I have, and. Um, it's interesting because Kikuchi and and Shohei Otani went to the same high school in rural Japan. Whoa. And Kikuchi went there. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Yeah, it is. This is down the road of like uh, real, like they, he Realtors. just bought a house or he, his plane was spotted yeah. in, in Toronto. Mm. Like, I love this stuff, Ben. Keep going. So they, they went to the same high school. Now, Kikuchi's older, so he went there before um, Shohei Otani did. But Otani has been quoted saying that he admired Yusei Kikuchi greatly um, growing up. So, uh, again, now I'm speculating, okay? So I want to make that clear. But if I'm the Toronto Blue Jays on this, realizing that connection, number one, it's got to be important that Yusei Kikuchi invites Shohei Otani to the team and and expresses his desire for him to, to join him on the team. Because even though to most fans, Shohei Otani, of course, is the way bigger name, but... You know, you think about the people who are ahead of you in your high school, and there's something about that period of time where mm-hmm. if someone's four years ahead or five years ahead, like, it might kind of stick in your head a little bit, even if you go on to do different things. So I think it's important to have that buy-in from Kikuchi. And I think, you know, if they're making a pitch video to Shohei Otani, have you say Kikuchi narrate it, right? Have it be in Japanese. It's a lot better than having, you know, no, off- no offense to anybody else was in the Blue Jays, but Ross Atkins narrating it in English is not going to yeah. be nearly as effective. Right? I don't know, Buck. So. What about Buck's voice, though, Ben? <laughs> hey, we all love Buck Martinez, but yep. I'm not sure how fluent in Japanese he is. <laughs> so, you know, I, I think that there, there's room for some creativity there, um, and I think that's the sort of thing that teams need to do if they're going to make an impression on Otani and show that they really care about him and his well-being. Um, ben, for the sake of your podcast and the sake of our show here in Calgary, 
How incredible would that be that Yusei Kikuchi could be a factor in Shohei Otani signing with the Blue Jays? What an incredible plot twist that would be. It, it would be awesome. It would be great. And look, again, we don't know exactly how Kikuchi would respond to this either. I mean, you know, it's possible that he might he might have been on vacation with his family for the month of October when this stuff was going on behind the scenes, right? Maybe he was uh, on a, like, we don't know exactly what the, what the interest level was. So that's where I really reinforce it is speculative. But I think that one way or another, teams need to get creative when it comes to their pitches for Otani because it's not, he's, he's obsessed with winning. Of course, the money is going to matter, but it's not just that. There are ways to show him that you really intend to, to be on his team and really intend to listen to him and understand what it is that he needs to succeed on the field. There you go. That's Ben Nicholson-Smith, sportsnet.ca, and at the, at the Letters podcast, he joined Ruskin Rose on the big show a little earlier on Wednesday, talking all things Toronto Blue Jays. ton of rumors around that team right now. Of course, Shohei Otani at the front of it. If you want to hear that whole conversation with Ben and the guys, check it out on their podcast. It's the big show with Ruskin Rose, Google, Amazon, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite Sportsnet 960 podcast. We're putting a wrap on the show on this Wednesday. Earlier on, we checked in on the Calgary Flames on a practice day. They're getting set for the Dallas Stars tomorrow here on Sportsnet 960. That's game two of their six-game homestand. We heard from Ryan Huska, checked in with Jacob Markstrom and Chris Tanev. Andy McNamara joined us for our fantasy football segment on Wednesdays and also our regular chat with Ailish Forfar around the NHL. So lots to check out on the podcast. If you listened live or on the podcast today, thank you very much. Thank you to Ailish and Andy for joining us today. And thank you to my outstanding producers, Cam and Taylor, for their great work on this Wednesday. Still to come on the airwaves this afternoon, we got Real Kipper and Bourne coming your way. Pat Steinberg's got Flames Talk. He'll bring you the latest, of course, on the Calgary Flames on one more day off before they're back in action. And we do have hockey on your radios tonight. It's the Calgary Hitmen and the Lethbridge Hurricanes. Brad Curls got the call from Lethbridge at 7 o'clock. And a reminder, doubleheader on Sportsnet tonight. If you want to watch some hockey, we do have two games going on the Sportsnet television network. 5 o'clock, Habs and Blue Jackets. And then at 8.30, Ovi and the Caps are in L.A. to take on the Kings. Have a great Wednesday. We'll be back on a Flames game day tomorrow right here on Sportsnet 960. The fan.